0: Hey everyone, what's up and welcome to the Pitcher Bet Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Guest. With me out in Las Vegas on this beautiful Thanksgiving week is Matt Morris. What's up, buddy? How are you?
1: That's good, yeah. So, uh, F1's done. And uh, not that I know anything about F1, but a Red Bull car won. I thought that was cool.
0: I think the guy who wins every time won. Is, is that right? Is, um, yeah. So, same same dude had the championship locked up a month ago. But he won, you know? Um,
1: so, it's, it's F1's version of Tom Brady, basically.
0: Yeah, but even more annoying because, like, I think he, like, legit wins every race i don't know it's amazing we we talked we had a nice conversation on the phone about this after you got off this past weekend uh in summary i watched the tv coverage and then the first five laps before i fell asleep on west coast time pacific time and uh, it's just not for me and you know i respect everyone who likes it everyone deserves to have things that they cheer for in sports um not for me, and that is what it is. I'm happy it was a good weekend for you, long weekend for you. You are one of the locals who aren't bitching about the event, and um, ready to move on from it, to be honest with you.
1: Well, and, you know, we've had a lot of conversation uh, off air about this, so I won't, I won't beat a dead horse here. But um, this is it's an elitist event, you know, and, like, they was big money. I've never seen this kind of money in Las Vegas. I've never seen this kind of money in my entire life. And I've lived in some really <laughs> high profile areas, Orange County with you in Los Angeles. And this was an elitist event. And when you have those kind of people come in, they don't necessarily care about the product per se. It's about not being at an elitist event. So they are, they have no choice, but to show up, you know, like all the celebrities and all, all the billionaires, like you can't not be seen at the F1 race in Vegas. Are you kidding me? They will be talking about how you're not here oh my god did you run out of money um (laughs) like that's the perception of this that i had and that was an interesting thing to be a part of you know and i just happened to work in a in a field in a at a place where that's highlighted really heavily and um it was it was cool and it's and it's over with but um that's what, that was the whole week, you know, the events, like, I think the week was more about the events than it was the race. Like, and I got to totally. see that firsthand, like all of the pop-ups, all the corporate money that was being spent to showcase themselves and, and to be around the race. Uh, and you kind of saw that, I think with Vulcan tequila, which is a uh, Moet Hennessy brand, which is also in, in the Louis Vuitton um, catalog um, or hierarchy umbrella, however you want to say it. I mean, they had their Vulcan tequila plastered on everything around town and they spent a very good amount of money to have us present them at the restaurant as well. And it's like, how much money did you spend? 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, hundred million dollars to like showcase your tequila. And like, I'm really interesting, really interested in years from now to see like his Vulcan tequila. Uh, is it like our Casamigos or is it like right. Cross Azul, right? Where it's like, it is boom. And it's like, oh damn, that, that promotion in Vegas worked. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, last thing I'll say is like, soccer's not for me. When I look back as a kid, my most enjoyed sport playing was undoubtedly soccer. I liked it the most out of everything I played, but watching it, it's not for me. Um, yeah. and, and it's okay to have sports like that. And I think like we just kind of said with F1 being an elitist kind of activity in sport, like It's not necessarily American, um, but I get it why it's European and why it's so big.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone. I mean, shit. I was watching the Maui. I was watching college basketball today before we recorded November 21st, bro. That's not for everybody. You know what I mean? I obviously love basketball. I love watching basketball, college basketball. People don't like watching college basketball that love the NBA. I know plenty of people that don't. So uh, it's, it's funny how that works out. Shout out Marquette, though. Could be a good year for them our Milwaukee boys. But um, yeah, man, glad F1's over. I'm happy. The college basketball season is underway. It's one of my most favorite things that we do. If you've been a long time listener of the podcast, you know how deep I go into March madness every single year. So the countdown is on for that. And uh, I, you know, I do like to gamble on college basketball because, There's some vulnerable lines out there and I was just doing some self scouting today, but I will let you know that product in comparison to the NBA. Um, it, It is tough. And now that you have kids with the transfer rules and all this stuff, you know, it stinks, but we'll get to what we wanted to get to here. It's the, it's the big leagues. It's the NFL. We just finished week 11. As I had mentioned, introducing Mateo in Vegas is it's Thanksgiving week. So this is one of the most fun weeks in my opinion. Of all of the NFL season, we have the three games Thursday night. We have our very first, Matt. I don't know if you knew this, Black Friday game this weekend. Oh. So there's going to be a game on Friday. And then we have our normal slate on Sunday. So we're going to have the the Lions game. They play our Packers, actually. Uh, the Giants play Washington, I think. Yeah, they play Washington. And then the night game is Niners versus Seattle. So that'll be a banger. Friday night Dolphins Jets and then uh, Sunday night I'll be at SoFi Stadium with the lady watching the Ravens take on the Chargers and then Bears Viking Monday night so all the primetime games in my opinion outside of the Cowboys game should be pretty good I'm actually stoked for this Thanksgiving slate
1: yeah that's um now that you listed off I am pretty excited as well you have no matter what, you have games that will be entertaining and storylines to follow, right You have Packers Lions, Packers obviously being devastated with injury, Packers, uh, Lions coming off kind of a really poor week in a comeback. Mm-hmm. you know there's narratives to be to be written there. You even have narratives with Giants um, Washington you know this should be a presumed Sam Howell absolute bounce back game, I would guess you know maybe a 400 t- 400 yards, five touchdowns
0: you know. <laughs> against a defense and then, uh, that.
1: and then next week he'll throw four more interceptions like this you know this is just kind of back and forth with Sam Howell this season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, love love the Ravens Chargers. Ra- Ravens should be able to go in there and whoop ass. But you brought up an interesting comment. And I'm curious to see your perspective. This is not sports related. Uh, Black okay. Friday really isn't what it used to be when we were like coming out of totally. high school, college years, right? Like I remember everything being open. I remember working a few Black Fridays when I was still in retail. And as we kind of like did our shopping this week and ran our errands, a lot of the stores are we are closed on Friday now. And I was like, damn, like this is Amazon's impact. And I say that because like I'm at Target in line for 10 minutes behind a couple that can't figure out where a, a like a the scanner UPC is. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I buy things online. Um, Just an interesting thing that I thought was changing, you know, as, as we get older now.
0: Oh, yeah, it definitely doesn't pack the same punch, you know, and you worked at Best Buy. And that's mm-hmm. the best example of Black Friday for I think people millennials our age, especially guys that liked sports tv video games like we did growing up right it was uh i remember in high school we'd wait outside black friday uh to yep. go into best buy and go get games and buy tvs when i first made first bit of money uh working at the restaurant when i was 18 years old first thing i bought was a fucking ipad and an mm. xbox 360 you know like because i yep. thought i was rich uh yeah you're absolutely right it doesn't pack the same punch Gen Z will never understand what Black Friday really meant. Now it's just a gigantic sale, whether it's online. I'm sure there's some deals in the store, but even the Black Friday stuff now starts at like, 8 or no, 9 it o'clock. starts
1: and it starts right now. We bought our Christmas tree this week. It was oh, three hundred. Okay. It was three hundred dollars. But no, it was a Black Friday You're deal, a scumbag and I'm
0: like, for for buying a fake tree. But well, you live in the desert, so that's okay.
1: And and honestly, I can't stand the needles falling. And yeah, to be honest, where would they even grow Christmas trees? I guess they ship them in.
0: Yeah, I mean, they would one hundred percent ship them into Vegas. Yes, no one's growing trees out there. But I mean, you I don't know. know. G- you don't have-
1: GMOs. GMOs a thing.
0: <laughs> yeah um I, i'm a i'm an advocate for the going to the lot and picking a tree but mm. that's how i was growing up and you know the trees weren't very fond of you they never threw the ball back so i know it's a tough spot for that's you. right you had to, had to had to go get the fake tree well um but yes and- black friday does not pack the same punch i mean there's a damn football game on black friday now mm-hmm I bet mean, I do. So one, one thing before you go, my, I do remember my mom and my tia, my aunt growing up, they would literally after Thanksgiving, we'd all be hanging out, chilling. They would leave Thanksgiving night around nine, ten o'clock, go to Starbucks, get coffee and stand in line for when the stores opened at midnight and would go to the mall to do a lot of their shopping. And like it was a fun thing for them to do. Um, but also like they would go because you could get the best deals, but then people started getting killed and ran over because, you know, we're savages here in America. So, um, yeah, long rant there. Definitely not what we had on the game plan. Well, and I think Friday, I mean,
1: this, this is, I mean, we'd have to like look back on market research, but (laughs) the first, the first, uh, company that was like, Hey, what if we do it a day early? Right and then made a killing on Thanksgiving or pre Thanksgiving with the Wednesday. Right. And then mm. every other, then every other company's like, well, what if we do it a full week before them? And then Amazon just came and it was like black Friday, screw that cyber Monday. Yeah. And it's just this, it's this whirlwind of like, who can one up the other, which ultimately destroys the entire infrastructure of the concept of black Friday. And here we are buying Christmas trees in November, you know, beginning of November for half off because I got lucky and didn't, I was buying it any, either way I was buying it. You just happened to give it to me for 50% off because this is an item that's labeled black Friday. So I was like, damn, that's lost revenue. Like I have no choice but to buy a Christmas tree. If my wife says we're buying a Christmas tree, I'm, I'm buying a Christmas tree. So it was just a lot of curiosity this week where I was like, it, it kind of greed got to their heads from an industry. And, um, and here we are, but you're right. Nothing will ever, ever match those, those moments in time. And, uh, I miss them a little bit. You know, it is nice to freeze your ass off for a TV that you got $50 lower than it should have been when you put it on a credit card that would never end up being paid off.
0: (laughs) the matt morris special shout out i've gone through <laughs> bankruptcy <laughs> <laughs> yes i am on the capital capital one blacklist yeah not the good yeah, one. capital one likes me
1: everyone else not so much oh
0: no capital okay capital, capital one keeps good.
1: pushing cards down my throat everyone else is like Amex
0: is like i swear to god we will arrest <laughs> you on site
1: <laughs> i got i got three or four offers from discover and i was finally like you know what like why not like i'll dip my my foot back and discover like it'd be nice to have something other than capital one and i got denied and i was like what do you mean i got denied you had, you sent me a pre-authorization form and in the letter that came back you know the 10 days later it was like previous out, out, outgoing account um you know automatic rejection and i was like well at least you know better like at least you know i burned you once like good for you like this this is this is quality credit reporting
0: right here <laughs> um but yeah this definitely took a turn uh, what's funny though, last thing about Amazon taking over Black Friday is like they did take over the Black Friday game to the point where you can't get on table, uh, get get the game on cable. So you will have freaking boomers and our parents going, How the hell do I get this game? I just want to watch the Jets and the Dolphins. And more importantly, in <laughs> the saddest thing about the game this weekend is that Tim Boyle is going to be starting for oh, the yeah. Jets. So Um, It may be unwatchable halfway through, but they really have hijacked Black Friday and Cyber Monday to the fullest because you can't even watch this fucking football game on cable. So It was
1: was interesting. There was uh, on the 361 Fantasy Baseball podcast, which if any of you are fans of Fantasy Baseball, check these guys out. They're older gentlemen, do awesome work. Um, But I say older because they're talking about this exact take here. And one of them was like, yeah, I had to stream this game, blah, 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 blah. He was talking about how had to you know, figure it out. And then he was telling his co-host, like the actual data numbers for the streaming because he lives in Canada. And it was like 72% of internet uh, bandwidth was allocated towards the football game. And they were just kind of dissecting like, how is Amazon in future um, like streaming platforms gonna allocate bandwidth for big time events? something you and I talked about how Netflix did their first streamed event was the golf tournament and how I thought it should have been the F1 race. And it's like, well, maybe it could never have been the F1 race because it would have overloaded would American have bandwidth. Yeah. And, if, and if it's using bandwidth, that means that like we're using bandwidth right now to record. So if you're 100% F1 race or 100% Super Bowl, nobody's able to get online. Those are just things I didn't even think about. So
0: yeah, Amazon, I mean,
1: they have their, their market cap, but like there's also a cap, it sounds like.
0: And that's why fucking Call of Duty crashes every Christmas. You know what I mean? Same shit, right? Like all the servers are down. It's like, yeah, well, there's ten million people trying to chop you up right now. Like (laughs) GTA, same shit. You know? Um. All right, we've fully gone off the wagon here. We'll get back on. uh, Lastly, did you
1: see GTA wants people to pay per the hour? How crazy is that?
0: Nah, that's fucked up. I didn't see that. I hope that's not true. I feel like Rockstar is better than that.
1: Well, it's interesting because they want to have essentially an in-game currency that's real currency and they feel like if they do buy the hour pay for play, it's essentially like a, it would be like a crypto where it keeps the, um, it keeps the value of the actual in-game currency alive. Really interesting. Uh, everyone needs to look at it. I don't that. I don't think it will become a thing. Because there's a lot of pushback and I think they kind of just threw it out there to see like what the initial thought would be. But we are getting to that point. Uh, a game just, eventually just charge
0: like me 80 bucks for the game because I'm sure that's how much video games cost. Now, let me run a heist with the boys and buy a mansion and do crazy shit. You know, like that. that's that's let's get back to the basics in video games. This is why I don't uh-huh. game anymore. Yeah, but the We're idea is it's so off is, topic, but this but the is why idea I don't game anymore.
1: You run a heist, you steal ten million dollars, and you can cash that out in real <laughs> currency for like, you know, let's just say it, it, it's dollar fifty. Yeah, let's just but sure, let's just say it's a dollar fifty. But like, what if you're just a streamer that just is running heists all day and you're feeding your kids on it? It's kind of sick. It's kind of sick, but yeah. you gotta have you gotta value that that currency somehow. And if you keep having money generated into the system itself by a pay for play, it, auto, it does it automatically. Um, but what it definitely happens, isn't for what people happens like when Yo.
0: you go to the vir- what happens when you go to the virtual strip club and spend it? Do you lose Dude, your money there, too? And
1: are those strippers real people? Is it like an AI? And <laughs> you know, like you're a stripper. Are you a stripper in GTA or do you work at Sapphire? Like, I mean, like, what are we doing here?
0: yeah is it sapphire or are we going down to the library you know like which <laughs> yeah, yeah little,
1: little anaheim uh little anaheim festivities here
0: uh, the 18 and older special um all right anyways um we were talking primetime games before we talk about amazon prime uh we wanted to start the football podcast off with um with the primetime game that ended week 11, which was the Chiefs versus Eagles Super Bowl rematch. Um, I thought the game lived up to the hype. The weather was bad. The scoring wasn't as high, but I thought we learned a lot of stuff coming out of the game. I had posted after the game my take, but our segment about how that the Chiefs roster construction and their alignment isn't really set up for them to ultimately get to where they want to be this year. And I think that's where we wanted to start was a little bit more of an emphasis on the Chiefs rather than the Philadelphia Eagles, who are a well-oiled machine, is that, this seems to be the trend, right? Is that the the Chiefs are very good. They have a really good defense. They obviously have Pat Mahomes. But the way that this roster is constructed right now is they, they have holes, right? And they're vulnerable and they can definitely be beat by the upper echelon teams in the AFC. So where we wanted to start here is basically since the Chiefs are so vulnerable right now, it's time for Miami and the Ravens to really take advantage of this window this season and take down the Chiefs or else both teams may have to really reconsider what they're going to do moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I think primarily we're talking Dolphins here because if you follow the last few weeks, even the season that we've talked about with these NFL teams from the Bengals to the Chiefs uh, to the Bills, right? We talk constantly about the way that they've decided to construct their rosters and all of it ends up falling back on that quarterback contract that all three teams have now given big money to their their star quarterbacks. And now we start seeing the question marks. The Chiefs obviously are hindered on offense with their wide receiving core. Bengals losing Joe Burrow uh, is is unforeseen. You can always say that when a big-time quarterback goes down. And the Bills having inconsistencies all over the roster that we've highlighted, especially the last couple of weeks. But the Dolphins are still in this weird paradigm where they're paying Tua, low money. Sure, it's the end of his rookie contract, and we're getting towards the big payday, but they were able to bring in the Ramsey. They were able to bring in the Chubb. They were able to bring in Tyreek Hill, but also on top of Tua being paid, they're going to have to pay Waddle if they want to keep him around. And I think they're in a position right now where this season, it's either make or break for Super Bowl, or they have to make a really hard decision, which is, do we continue moving forward with Tua? Because if we do, it means Ramsey's going to have to go. Chubb's going to have to go. You're going to lose some of these really valuable pieces that I think is the core of this team. And While two is playing at an MVP level at times this season, you could bring in presumably a rookie quarterback and still have success. So while the Ravens have their core foundation laid for a number of years, I don't know that it's as necessary for us to put the pressure on them. I think it's more of an idea to put the pressure on Miami Because I think if they do not win the Super Bowl this year, they're going to have to trade Tua and hopefully some future assets for a guy like Drake May or a, a pick in the draft where you target your quarterback and you move forward for the next four or five years with that rookie contract yet again, because they've done too much work constructing these stars, constructing this team to just have one real crack at it.
0: Yeah, I I think the pressure is different for both teams with the Dolphins and the Ravens. I think you're right about what the pressure is for the Dolphins. It's like, okay, we've put together basically a perfect roster for this quarterback, and if he can't get it done, and I kind of mentioned while we were prepping, is what happens if they get into the playoffs and say Cleveland sneaks into that last wild card spot and they end up playing Cleveland in the first round and they get beat, right? Like, what if there's some crazy upset? It happens every single year. There's always one, right? And they go out first round, and Ramsey was healthy, Tyreek was healthy, Waddle was healthy. They got a full healthy season out of Raheem Moster. Can you believe that, right? And they fell short, and that's going to be the risk, right? And is it going to be dang Tua just really couldn't get us there with this team that we've pretty much built almost perfectly, right? Whereas I think with Baltimore and the Ravens, I I think that they are firing on all cylinders but I just think that the time to strike is this year because Burrow will be back next year. I think Josh Allen and the Bills are moving in the right direction moving forward. I think with the the firing of the offensive coordinator, I have a feeling if things go really bad in New York, they might bring Dayball back. But everything seems to be trending in their direction this year for them to finally make that next step into the, into the Super Bowl. Um, but if they lose first round, can't get past the second round, can't even get to the AFC championship. The question marks and the pressure that's going to be on Lamar Jackson is is might be insurmountable in my opinion. I know that's kind of a hot take and a little overreaction, but he got his contract. They have their guys losing Mark Andrews is going to be really, really tough for them, but they have the best defense in football right now. And as we started this conversation with the Chiefs aren't what they were last year. They definitely weren't they what weren't what they were a couple of years ago and i think the pressure for baltimore is is even more so than what it is for the dolphins just because they have their franchise guy whereas miami kind of has a scapegoat if it doesn't work if that makes sense
1: yeah and i don't know if it's because you're so closely aligned with the ravens um that you may feel that way which i think fandom at times, has blinded us. I'm not saying that you're blind to it. I, I, not at all. I'm just saying that, like, I have a very different perspective of the team because I, I don't watch them on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. From my perspective, losing Dobbins and not bringing in Derrick Henry is is unfortunate. But he doesn't have a running game outside of himself. And my, I know Gus Edwards had a really nice game last week. And I know this rookie has had some really nice runs. But if the Ravens lose in the playoffs, I will just think, well, you didn't have a running back, like. What were you doing? What did you expect? And I know that's a position that isn't, you know, as, as held as, um, as valuable as others anymore, but we, I can't say the bills, what are you doing? And and then look at the Ravens and say, not say the same thing. Like to me, it's not so much on Lamar at that point is it's the front office. Like you've done a really good job reconstructing this defense to being the best defense in the NFL, done a really good job bringing in some weapons for him in the last year. And you haven't brought in another running back. that's just that's just questionable for me so the pressures for me so much doesn't go on lamar whereas if tua cannot get it done the pressure's on tua like we've given you everything we gave you the head coach we gave you the wide receivers right we gave you the defense like lamar yes we gave you more than you have had but we didn't give you that secondary piece which is a running game and like they they need that in my opinion and maybe not maybe if they go on a super bowl run and Uh, They win it. We'll look back and say Gus Edwards was, you know, the James Stark of the 2023 season. (laughs) But I've seen too many games where you look at that, that uh, backfield and it's like 12 rushes for 30 yards, 12 rushes for 28 yards. And it's like, oh God, like that's, they need a running game. That's, that's just my overall opinion of the team in general.
0: Yeah, you make a good point because the burden is on Lamar, but that's why you asked for the big contract at the end yeah. of the day, right? Like that—that that is the sacrifice you're going to have to make is maybe it wasn't Derrick Henry, but it's, you know, going out and being able to spend a little bit more money on on a quality backup to J.K. Dobbins, right? Obviously, that injury is unfortunate. The Mark Andrews injury, super unfortunate. But at the end of the day. This is the best football team that he's had around him with Zay Flowers. Odell Beckham Jr. looks really good as well for, you know, where he is in the, at this point in time in his career. Um, Bateman looks good. Lamar looks good, you know. So I, I just think this is the time for them to strike while the iron is hot here with Kansas City being a little bit vulnerable. And look, Kansas City's vulnerable, but they still have Mahomes, and Mahomes is <laughs> as he has been they're what, they have three, four losses now. I think three losses Um, a drop pass here there away from being undefeated similar to the Ravens right the game that we watched in Vegas when I was at your house a couple drop balls away from blowing out the Steelers 12 drops, Uh, yeah against the Colts same same deal man and The list goes on them being able to beat Cincinnati twice this year. I know Bro got hurt during the game this last Thursday night, I think is a big confidence booster for that team. Um, But we'll see here with them and the Dolphins and a lot of these heavy hitters uh, and the NFC, the rest of the way, the schedule is not easy, bro. I know, like I said, we're going to can- or sorry, we're going to uh, San Diego, AHA, LA this weekend to watch <laughs> the game. But after that, they still have to play the Niners. They got to play the Steelers again. They got to play the Browns. So it's definitely not going to be easy pickings for the AFC as well as the Miami Dolphins. I'm pretty sure they play Miami as well. So um, it's going to be a tough few games here for the Ravens and a lot of these teams at the top. But if they can get the number one seed this is the year that Kansas city is vulnerable. In my opinion, they need to figure it out because I don't think that front office is going to let that same problem happen next year in Kansas city. They run their team too well.
1: Well, and I think you brought up a great point with the drop passes. I mean, this is a different narrative in this week's NFL media had MVS just caught that ball. Totally. you beat the you beat the team that you beat in the Super Bowl, you know, you beat them with a, a worse roster than you had the year before in a lot of ways, um or a similar roster, I can't even say it's good or worse, we have to see the season play out. But Mahomes did it. He threw the pass. MVS just didn't catch it. And you know, his presser we kind of referenced uh, pre-recording tonight and it's like he knows it, you know, he, he came out and said, "We just have to get a little bit better every week on offense." And you see it in his eyes. It's like he knows his weapons aren't as good as they have been in his career. He knows that he has to do more. But he made the throw. It was a, it was a very damn good throw. And sure, maybe it was a just a little bit too deep where MVS had to make a play on it. But you make that play. You catch that ball. You win that game. And that's the issue, I think, when we're, when we're talking about this team being vulnerable. You have to win two or three playoff games just to get to the Super Bowl. And are you going to have a mix up in one of those games? Is MVS going to drop yeah. the ball? Is Tony going to have it go off his shoulder pad and, you know, and bounce into the hands of a defender or is Tony going to catch the ball and just hand it to the linebacker because he's confused? Um, that's a joke, of course, but this definitely <laughs> is an opportunity for the dolphins, for the Ravens. And we I bring it back to the diamondbacks, right? Like you don't know if you're ever going to get a shot again. We can talk about how the Ravens have done a good job in the next three or four years. They have a window. Well, that window on a year-to-year basis, as you said, can change based off what teams do. And think if the Chiefs had just made one or two little adjustments. Maybe they bring in Adam Thielen and they release MVS this offseason. You know, maybe they uh, go out and they grab uh, Jones from the um, from the Jaguars. And unfortunately, he's in jail or was arrested or whatever you want to look at. But my point is they're going to find those two or three names this offseason and they're going to bring them in and they're going to have a wide receiver room that is average and you give an average wide receiver room to Patrick Mahomes, those three games in the playoff look a little easier. So I think you're right. These two teams, they, the Dolphins and the Ravens, they have to put everything on the table this year. And I would love to see that as an AFC championship game. That would be high octane offense against a very good defense. And ultimately it would fall in Lamar's hands. Can you, are you worth it? Can you go out there and beat them? Cause our defense will give you everything they can.
0: Yep. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. Like you can't really talk smack on Mahomes. You can't really talk smack on Kelsey. He did have a draw up. He did fumble. Like, you know, that stuff doesn't happen often, but it does happen. But Mahomes said it in his presser. They had three guys on Trav. I, I had to throw it to the guy that was open and beat his man. And they made the right play. Just didn't hit it. Yeah. Um, wanted to shift to kind of some matchups this week while we recap last week a little bit. I wanted to start with the Lions. Uh, we'll get to Packer talk at the end of this. So don't worry guys. If you want to stay for Packer talk later, you can, um, the lions had a really tough game this past weekend against the bears. They came out on top and ended up beating them, but you and I want to shift our focus towards Justin Fields. Specifically, uh, you and I were pretty high on fields. Uh, If you've listened to this podcast, we say it pretty much every time we talk about Justin Fields is, uh, we, we didn't know why San Francisco didn't take him in that spot where they took Trey Lance. We, We're banging the drum pretty hard. It should be Fields. Trey Lance is a nice project, but Justin Fields is proven. And honestly, the second half of this season, before he broke his hand or had the fracture in his hand and this game against the Lions defense that has been struggling, makes me think that the Bears might be making a mistake letting Fields walk out the door because he's developing into a really, really good quarterback that you might want to continue leading your franchise with and is it worth starting over for a guy like Caleb Williams or is it worth trading out of that first round pick for more and more assets to line up more talent for an already good quarterback that's the question
1: Trevor Lawrence is in year three or four Matt four Uh,
0: same as Fields, so I think they're they're four
1: they're in their fourth season i'll look right now while you go
0: go for it
1: well my my take is simply you know you trade out of that first pick you uh, continue to acquire and hoard this absolute war room of draft picks and you build this roster because what i saw on sunday was what i've seen a few times which is justin fields is developing into a star NFL quarterback and i say star with the the concept this is a guy that can make plays he has confidence You can get behind him as a fan base. You can get excited about him. You know, I think superstar is a completely different echelon that you have to earn with victories. You have to earn with playoff appearances and playoff victories. But to have a star quarterback is the opportunity to develop a guy that can be your franchise starting quarterback for years to come. And I think that is Justin Fields. And to think about how hard it is in today's game to actually have a starting NFL quarterback, a star NFL quarterback, you just ask the Browns and everything they've gone through. You ask the Lions in the years that they've struggled before they got Matt Stafford and ultimately now Jared Goff, even the couple of years that Jared Goff struggled at times. Talk to Minnesota fan bases and talk about if they would like a star quarterback, because I think Cousins sits on that fringe area of, yes, he's a star quarterback, but oh, we don't want him. And then you look at Chicago and you say, okay, you've got a kid that's coming into his own. And then you look at Miami and you go, oh, that's the result of what allowing time and a player to come into his own and build a roster around him leads to. The question of, do we trade him or not, is the same question in Miami that we brought up. But the difference in Chicago is you have all the money in the world. So continue to build around him and really see what he is once you have a foundation around him, because that's how we evaluated Tua. Once the foundation was around him, we could actually properly identify, is he good or not? And I think just cashing in those chips and taking Caleb Williams, it's a mistake because you can really give up, you probably give three or four starting players out of that draft pick alone three or four starting players when you almost beat the lions is enough to beat the lions and i think the lions are proving that with all the draft picks that they've made so i really liked field's performance last week they need to make that defense better i mean it, it's it's really unfortunate it's getting there. and it's getting there but again look at what the dolphins did they brought yeah. in the best corner of our generation they brought in a you know a good pass rusher and chubb like just look at the roster Justin's out here with two linebackers that they signed, as we have mentioned on past shows, when they could have just kept the best middle linebacker in the game. It's like they're, they are rebuilding. And I think he's showing us that you know he is the guy for the job. The problem is they're going to have to pay him. And that's what we always end up circling back around to is how does that money affect the cap? But you got a guy that I believe in now. And um, I, I, really hope they don't, I, I really hope they don't fudge this up.
0: Yeah, and I think you said it best and where I'm leaning towards the same side as you is you can get three to four starters. If you play your hand right Mm -hmm. here with what you're doing in Chicago, you can trade out of that first round pick for probably multiple uh, definitely multiple picks, but probably another first, if not two firsts from a bad team that's going to trade up to get into that spot just like you did with Carolina last year to put yourself in a position for a top-five pick because it's no guarantee that that bad team that's going to trade up for Williams is going to win more than five games next year, even though Williams is a great player and I'm very, very high on him, which is an off-season topic. But that's the point. You you hit the nail on the head is you get those picks, you get more assets, you have the 100 million dollar in for in cap space right now you sign fields to the extension probably get him for 80 cents on the dollar considering he's been injured a little bit inconsistent and they probably win generously two more games the rest of the season right you get him another wide receiver or brock bowers from georgia in the draft an elite tight end You sure up that defense and you start to trend in the right direction because what you're seeing from him and DJ Moore is a real connection. What you're seeing from DJ Moore is, you know, he's a top 15 guy, right? He's not an amazing route runner, but he knows how to separate and his yards after catch is incredible. And what you do is go find an actual running back to help offset some of the rushing um, burden that they're putting on Justin. I I think that's the logical play here. If you're dead set on Caleb Williams, you better get close to equal return on that investment for a trade for Justin Fields. Or in my opinion, it's it's a massive mistake.
1: Well, and the reason I asked you about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields.
0: And oh, by the way, they are on their third year right now. This is year them. three. OK, yes, so you yes. have
1: year four and then you have the option of the fifth with Justin Fields. So, OK, so we're um, a
0: couple of years out for both of those guys.
1: Well, and the point I was going to make Matt is simple. Cash that f- first overall chip in, right? You trade it, you get assets, push them down the road. So say you trade that first round pick or first overall pick you get this year's. let's just say seventh and you get two more first from it. And then some second rounds, which are starters, but like kind of to the point, it's just in your, your, your hall in your war chest. So you go to the next year, same question marks with Justin has some injuries, shows some upside. That's when you make a decision. All right. We got an entire, we got a chest full of picks is this the year or do we wait until next year to, to, move up into that first quarterback slot? You just push it down the line. If you're smart with this, you just keep pushing it down the line, adding, a, add a, like you said, adding a number one wide receiver in Williams take him second overall. Cause you, you know, you know, they're going Caleb Williams or uh, excuse me, Marvin Harrison, number two Harrison. overall, right? Like just keep bringing in that really big piece each year. And then when you finally are like, Hey, this is the quarterback. This is the guy Fields isn't the option. We're going to move everything we have left. We're going to go all in. Well, now that quarterback is stepping into a roster he can actually compete with. And that's kind of the prototype that we've been talking about over the last couple of years with building your roster. Like Fields is either going to be the guy and they build it around him or the next guy steps into a team that's ready to absolutely fire. And then you have a rookie deal. That's when you get to add all of these free agents that will make a really big impact and your team. Day one is expected to be a playoff team. So they have a lot of different avenues that they can go about this. And I I really am intrigued to see if they navigate it properly. I think taking Caleb Williams is a mistake. I really, really do. That pick is worth more than maybe every pick outside of Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck in the last 15 years. When you have that, it's like capitalize on it.
0: Yeah. And and capitalize on it because you have an asset that's worth sticking onto in our opinion, right now that doesn't mean I don't, I don't think Williams is or could be better than fields. Like that. That's the hard part, right? Is okay. You're giving up on, you know, potentially a all pro quarterback, which I don't know if Justin's there, right? All pro guy, but you don't necessarily need an all pro guy to get you to the NFC championship game with the current landscape of the NFC for the next 4 or 5 years with a quarterback playing the NFC Matt Stafford
1: won a Super Bowl. Like Yeah.
0: Uh, he's not
1: an he's not a bad quarterback, he's not an elite quarterback.
0: Yeah, he's not he's, an all pro. Yeah, right? You're right. Like
1: Matt Stafford yeah. won a Super Bowl. All, all like greatest even tackle of our generation, yeah. greatest corner of our generation. Uh all pro Probably the best wide receiver season we've seen in our generation next to calvin johnson sorry cooper so they yeah he had the pieces around him but yeah he still has a ring on his finger
0: and yeah great coach yeah you're right, right? yeah you're right yeah he has a ring on his finger had a couple things go his way and they won the super bowl yeah that's real no that, that's a really good point you know and, the, and those are the the pros and cons you gotta weigh out. i mean trevor lawrence was a lock right yeah you bring up lawrence right and no one was not taking him number one he was the next andrew luck right and not that he's looked bad but he's not wowing you out there he's He's not not cj shroud
1: Shroud, right like i think that itself is is crazy cj was the second overall pick they traded an entire organization to take a guy other than him Mm -hmm. yikes (laughs) yikes
0: Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, in CJ, in the same division as Trevor, you're like, he he looks better than Trevor right now. Yeah. So there's a a massive amount of risk that goes into starting over when you, in my opinion, it looks like they have a guy that's a fit. You know, so um, you and I both both are team field, so I think we're a little bit biased on this, but I I think we're – we're on the right direction with where this goes and i just think bro if you can get two firsts a second a first and a second for let's say the patriots i'm just trying to think of some of these shitty teams in the afc that are down there right because i doubt they go with the nfc team but patriots the titans you know some of these teams and it's just like yeah those teams are probably bad next year too yeah you know
1: well, and I think about this too. It's it's the heat of uh, fantasy baseball draft season right now. So <laughs> bear with me here, but, um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna equate this to fantasy baseball and fantasy football. You get the first pick in football or baseball, right? Usually the the pick is obvious. This year, I think in football it was Justin Jefferson, in baseball it's Ronald Acuna. But being awarded that first pick means, hey, guess what? Depending on how many players are in this this league, you could be drafting 24th, you could be drafting 33rd, like. Yeah, you get the best player, but it's going to be a while until you come back and someone wants to come in and offer you a good package of startable players that you're going to have for that pick. The answer is usually yes, because look at Justin Jefferson this season. Look at Jonathan Taylor the season before. I mean, this list goes on and on and on for fantasy football where you're like, damn, it was obvious. And the guy took got hurt or underperformed. But if you can make a move out of that, you can really bring in starters. And it's just so much variance and risk with that first pick. And I, that's why I brought up CJ, because it's like the Panthers are going to kick themselves for the next 15 years, no matter how good he is. Like Bryce Young can will be probably a good quarterback, but he's probably not going to be CJ. And they gave up Marvin Harrison Jr. for him. Yikes.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yikes. yeah, yeah. It's going to be tough. Um, OK, moving on here, we've got the Niners Seahawks this weekend, Matt. Now, I don't know if you were aware of this the Seahawks are limping into this game Mm -hmm. and you had to take about, I don't know, three, four episodes ago that this could be the Seahawks time. They could kind of overtake the Niners here. What Pete Carroll and his team have in the front office have done is, you know, started this legion of boom in quotes 2.0 and the offense is letting them down. Point blank. Geno Smith is how do you, kind of bad second half of the year. Aaron Donald injures him. Ken Walker is going to be out this weekend, and they're playing Thanksgiving night against the Niners. If they get blown out, what are your thoughts going to be on the Seahawks moving forward and their roster construction and the decisions they're going to have to make here towards the latter half of the season and going into next year?
1: The Rams always play them really well. Um, They do. But my concern isn't that they lost the game because they had a chance to win on the field goal. The concern is right back to the Geno Smith-Kirk Cousins conversation where it's like you can build the team. You can give them everything that you need. You can rebuild the defense. You can bring in the wide receiver in JSN. You know, you can have the nice new running back from Michigan and Walker. But is he, is he it? Is he good enough? And I, I just don't think Geno is. I, I don't think he's consistent enough. And I think it's going to be their Achilles heel until they find a way to bring in their Matt Stafford. Um, And this game to me means very little. I mean, not only are they limping into this game, this is, this should be an absolute lock for the 49ers. It should just should, it should be. Um, So this game's not going to tell me very much. The season itself has told me more. You know, I, I, I just don't think Gino's the guy because he's, I don't know. He's inconsistent, as I said. Um, but also, again, I don't know where you go from here. Like, the, we've got a, we've got a little less than half the season left. But like, Gino's injury is now going to put a damper on even his performance over the next three to eight weeks. It's like, oh, you, know, you can everyone can kind of just say, well, he was hurt. It's like, no. The bigger problem is he's not utilizing three really nice wide receivers properly. He's not giving them the best opportunity to make plays. They drafted a first round wide receiver. Yep. Who isn't being given a target share that a first round wide receiver should? You got the offensive line that, yes, has been hurt this year, but it has been invested in. So I, I am concerned about Geno, and I, I just I don't know what to do. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the option that we kind of swung around on last week or the week before, but then it came out that the Vikings want him back. There's a lot of uncertainty here, um, but no, I, I do not think this the Seahawks have a chance this week, and it, it's unfortunate because. I think the door was open for them to to really push forward. And I think there was an opportunity for Gino to really cement himself as the game manager, as the guy that can win a ring with this roster and he has done everything, but go the right direction.
0: Yeah. And obviously the injuries is, are somewhat, I mean, they're not somewhat, they are out of his control. Um, but it is tough, you know, because now they're going to be sitting in this mediocrity, the limbo as we call it, right? Of okay, do we circulate, do, do we do we dip our pen in the Josh Dobbs sweepstakes? I'm joking, of course, but you know, what what quarterback is out there for you? You know, and are we going to take a stab at a JJ McCarthy later on in the first round or the kid from Oregon, Bo Nicks, who's not gonna be good in the pros, in my opinion. You know, you they're just in a really, really weird spot. Obviously Drew Locke sucks. We saw him come in. He was laughing that he couldn't even complete a pass on the sideline. I like I dislike that guy so much. And it's just it's just sad because they're they're a perfect candidate for a, a massive trade haul up with the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, for that number one overall pick, right? They're a team. I have no idea what their draft capital looks like in my i really don't i know it's still probably good from that russ wilson trade but they're a team if somehow they could pull that off i sell the house to go number one
1: their uh their Russ trade is almost complete i think if i remember correctly when we broke it down they i think they yeah. still have a fourth coming to them but they but gave that's up a, that's a, about
0: it though right a two
1: and yeah it's about it and then they, they gave up a two and a four or a two and a five for williams um it doesn't matter really like You call call Chicago and you say, listen, we're going to give you three ones. We're going to give you two twos. We're going to give you three threes and three fours. Like it gets a deal done, right?
0: Yeah. I think because I mean that team. Sorry, I was just going to say because that team team is a quarterback away in my opinion. Right. Well,
1: and they're a quarterback away within the window, right? You've got rookie deals with the left and right tackle. You've got rookie deals with Witherspoon. You've got kenneth walker year two so you got two years left of rookie deal you got jsn rookie deal you've got metcalf locked up locket gonna retire like this is the window mm-hmm. you don't really need much more from your picks so it's like do we go in for five years and then we figure it out kind of like the rams but almost flip it all right like rams were prime time players and they're prime you see are gonna be like well we believe in our first and second year players like might as well give them the best quarterback available. Um, I agree with you, Matt. I think I think that's an interesting pick. But the thing is, where do they finish the year? Are they pick 14? Are they pick 21? Do they make the playoffs? Are they yeah. pick 24? Because then when you call the Bears and you say, hey, we we're going to give you all of this, it's like, well, the Bears are like, well, what? We want the 24th, the 27th, the 28th pick over the next four years? Like, yeah, no thanks.
0: Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, so you guys are going to be in the Super Bowl giving a shit. But I mean, shit, Matt. They've got a. Uh, they obviously have the Niners this week. Got the Cowboys the week after that. I mean, then they play the Niners again, <laughs> and then Sounds like three losses. I mean, it does. I mean, I don't think they lose all three. I I actually wouldn't be surprised if they won. Then they play the Eagles. I mean, yeah, man. Like they, <laughs> it's not easy. If if Gino's elbow isn't back, those are four games they're not going to be favorited in. Yeah, you know. If Ken Walker is not going to play, it could get, it could get ugly quick for our boys out there in Seattle. And I think they're, they're a prime candidate for, for a trade up, but quarterback play is down in the league, bro. And there's a lot of teams that could use a good quarterback, but I I think the Seahawks are on the short list and your Kirk cousins take isn't as crazy anymore, even though I don't really see it happening.
1: Well, again, though, like, you think about it from the perspective of where what options will be on the table for them they call any team to move up in the draft the same conversation is going to go on in that draft room well listen if we give them this pick and they take x quarterback what are we actually forecasting in return and it is what we just said it is a 20th pick 20th to 30th like it's going to be a high pick or it's gonna be a low pick because this team is good and that's the problem with rebuilding before you have your quarterback which is what i always preach right it's like Teams are going to be less likely to to think that your your assets are good assets because you are going to have lower draft picks. And I don't know. We might look back in five, six, seven, ten years at this Witherspoon pick and be like, "Damn, they really should have made that trade with the, the Bears when the Panthers did." You know, if say they they would have taken CJ Shroud, this is a very different football team for sure. But you know, they they thought, "Hey, we got our guy. We got a game manager. He's done really well. We got lucky. We're going to take the the no brainer quarterback." And let's just see what happens. Like, Let's see how this roster continues to construct itself because if we look back in 10 years and the quarterback position is what cost them, I think the narrative of the Russ Wilson trade would be very different. And it will be because they were never able to actually get their guy that could get them to that Super Bowl.
0: Okay, everyone, it's time. It's Packers talk. Here we are. I have actually got my Clay Matthews jersey on. I've worn a jersey while we've been recording in actually a really long time. And I was like, you know what? Tonight just feels like a Clay Matthews night thanksgiving week i think he just got inducted in the usc trojans hall of fame maybe the packer hall of fame actually to be honest with you i'm not sure he's a fucking legend dude the
1: real question is when is brian cushing being brought into the usc hall of fame ring
0: is he not i don't know i mean i he can't imagine be. he is he's a beast dude him clay and uh ray maluca dude that was the yeah. linebacking trio what a legendary crew bro those teams were sick Mm-hmm. I hated USC back then, but <laughs> in hindsight, it's because the so. All right, rant. They're very F one ish. No, they're not F one. It's just when you grow up in SoCal, like I don't know how it is throughout the rest of the nation, but growing up in Southern California specifically is the home of the biggest bandwagon fans that I've ever met. In grade school, in town. When your team is hot, when the Lakers are good, when USC is good, when the Angels were good for a couple of years, everyone's got their their little their flag flying in their car, you know. Oh, hey, the Trojans are good, man! Like they're going back to the national championship, you know. Fuck Vince Young. Um, but then the second they're not good or relevant again, or there's some scandal that you know they got recruiting violations. No one's rooting for USC anymore. Stadium's empty. We're not riding for our squad. And it just bothers me. So, when that team was assembled with Clay Matthews, Malaluga, Brian Cushing, right? They had Liner, Bush, Dwayne Jarrett, Lendell White. Team was stacked. Awesome team. I didn't root for them because everyone in their mom was a USC fan. And I was like, you guys don't know what pain is like. I root for the Packers. And they're like, oh. So, yeah, man, that's why I didn't like them growing up. In hindsight, though, a legendary squad—it's
1: fair, but they don't do themselves any credit. Like we talked about this today with uh, Caleb Williams, like celebrity status. Like I haven't seen it since Matt Leinart. You know, and you talked about how that's just kind of what happens. Like it—it's the elite of the elite southern california schools and it's not because you go there for the pristine education which they have a very good education system at usc it's private school obviously Mm -hmm. i know some really intelligent people my friend casey who went there um very smart but it is known nationally as a sports dominated school and the elite of los angeles go there so it has this sense of elitism to it and I think that's kind of the problem too, where you look at everyone in SoCal and you're like, how can you, how can you be wishy-washy on this? Like they, they should be good. If they're not good, there's a problem, which is why they went through what, four, five athletic directors in the course of 10 years after dynasty. Like <laughs> clearly this the school agreed with me there. It's like, what are you doing? No, you're fired. Um, so I, I get that. But some of the players to come out of there and some of the, I think about as a kid watching Richie Bush and, and the three linebackers that you talked about liner, like some of my best memories is watching USC and I don't like the school, but I love the players that have come through.
0: Yeah, I'm just bitter though, bro. Like it just is what it is when the Packers are giving up fourth and twenties to the Eagles losing games, breaking my heart, Mike Vick running around every damn year and Brett Favre throwing interceptions to the New York Giants to lose games and go and not go to the Super Bowl. Like you just a lot of losing. It makes you, it makes you angry, bro. You know how I used to fan. I've gotten a lot better, but I'm a neg- I'm a negative fan. I-, I don't like that I'm that way, but I'm naturally negative. So just seeing the L. A. Rams come to town, get to two Super Bowls, and win one before the Packers go back with Aaron Rodgers ever again, like that shit really bothers me. Because you <laughs> down there in SoCal don't know what it's like to hurt, you know. And and that's that's where the 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 root of my anger. Comes. I mean, I don't know, man. And that's You're a very think- selfish take.
1: One of the greatest, maybe the second greatest football team, college football team of all time next to the Miami team with Ray Lewis was that Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Lundell White team they lost to Vince Young. They did. I mean, that was one of the greatest football games of all time. And Vince Young beat them. And I, at the time I was rooting for you. I was rooting for SC like that was as a Wisconsin small town SC fan, really Reggie Bush fan watching Vince Young. Impose his will. That was painful. I was, you know, as I said, I wasn't even in Southern Rose California. Bowl. Yeah, like that was that was incredible performance, and um, I can't even imagine how real SE fans felt. I know how the ones that were bandwagon felt. They go to school the next day and it's, oh, well, there's this excuse and that excuse and blah blah. blah. We <laughs> know those people. We lived around them, but um, they they'll never they'll never also know the joy of what hurting is when you win. And uh, it it goes two ways, you know,
0: it does. That's a good point. But that was a sick game for sure.
1: That was a great game. I
0: was happy in Texas one. That's how bitter I am.
1: Well, and it sucked because I had I remember the year I was I think I was like 11, 12. Yeah, we were young. Uh, I had a Texas hat on. I got from Walmart. Shout out Walmart back in the day. They like I bought it because I like Texas baseball. But I was stupid and wore it during the football season. So everyone was like, oh, yeah, you're a Texas fan, Vince Young. And I'd be like, no, I'm actually a USC fan. And then they'd kind of be confused. And then when I got to the game of the, of the national championship, I was like, yeah, this might have been a mistake to be wearing a Texas hat the whole year. Because then what followed was everyone was excited for me that Texas won. And I was like, no, I'm actually really upset because I was a U- a, a, an USC fan. <laughs> so I really just confused a lot of people. Uh, damn you, Walmart.
0: Damn you. Um, and then, you know. It just happened to go on another almost decade of the Packers doing me dirty, but they finally won once, you know. But then they would continue to lose to the Niners, and when the Niners were good, guess what? Everyone in SoCal, rooted they all were Niners fans then too, you know. Anyways, there goes my trauma. As, a, Gets as a, it's deep rooted, it's deep rooted. I love Southern California, though. It's just a gripe that I will. I'm never just getting. I just won't give it up ever. And it just is what it is, man. Some of of us are born with that stuff. Um, I love my teams. And they don't. (laughs) Not really. But uh, Packers play the Lions this week. They beat the Chargers this past weekend. They looked great. Nah, I won't say great. Great's a stretch. They looked good. And by they, the offense looked good. And we saw Jordan Love progress again this past week. His reads, his throws, his accuracy, his deep ball has improved again week after week since I kind of freaked out and said, it's got to be time for Matt LaFleur to be held accountable. We should probably fire him. I still don't necessarily take back my statement, but I, I think what we me, what I asked for was a change and something different and for us to mix it up. And that's exactly what we've seen by the box score. And then if you watch the game by what Matt has allowed Jordan to do on the football field, letting him air it out, make quicker decisions, give him easier passes, and also start entering uh, Dontavian Wicks and other players into the game to help, honestly, move the ball down the field better than guys like Christian Watson were doing. And I think, end of the day, in summary here, is that we have seen now against a bad defense, Love play really good. We've seen him against a above average defense on the road against Pittsburgh, play very good and make little mistakes. And I think that's a net positive because if we got to week, what are we in here now? Week 12 and we saw regression, regression, regression going into Thanksgiving. I think you and I would be talking about, hey, it's time to see if the Packers should be that team to sell to move up for Drake May or Caleb Williams.
1: Well, yeah, and I think we, I think what has happened is what we talked about 3 or 4 weeks ago when the narrative was hey, things look good, there's some some things we'd like to see better, which there are still, still are with the deep ball. Um and it's funny cuz I'm going to start there with the deep ball. <laughs> you know, think about what happened in the Chiefs and Eagles game. Mahomes comes out and says, "You know, I could have put it a little bit more uh, <laughs> That's on funny. the money for him, right?" And yeah. it's like well, interesting, like, you know, that's the concern I have right now about Jordan is the deep ball. And while I think that can develop in time, maybe he just doesn't trust the fact that he's going to overthrow it. Okay, well, he's, he'll work on that. So the, that's something I've notated, and I want to see over the next couple seasons improve him putting the ball in a position for his receiver to really run himself open. But outside of that, it, it, there hasn't been much that I've wanted to see outside of the volume of throws. And I think had we seen these volumes of throws and Jordan still not look good, that's where concern would have could have creeped in, but we're seeing improvement. We're seeing, obviously, like you said, a, a change in tempo, a change in game plan. I think that was a point that I brought up to you off air while we were on the phone this week, which was just that we needed to give LaFleur the opportunity to develop as a head coach while we also give Jordan the time to develop as a starting quarterback. Matt has had Aaron Rodgers and a band-aid over a lot of problems over the last few years and has led him to great records of 13 and three and 14 13 and four Was that correct last year 13, something like that or 13 yeah, well last year they were under last 14, year was the first yeah. one yes okay But well, my point still stands that you know he, this is the time where he's implementing his offense and his quarterback is developing so i'm very happy with what we've seen over the last couple of weeks uh, i will be watching the game when we jump off tonight to kind of see if there are a few other points that i have but last thing I'll say is these injuries are a blessing as well. They're an opportunity for Jordan to throw the ball more. They're an opportunity to develop our twos. You know, Kraft this week is going to step into the starting tight end role or at least have a higher volume share. We get to see what he has as a fourth-round pick um, and to build this roster, to continue to build this confidence and to see who the players are that are going to be our, our core foundation for years to come, and that in itself is a blessing. You know, like we get to fight for victories, and, and I think, you know, you're going to feel a certain way about that because victories lead to lower draft positions, but also builds chemistry and it, and it builds confidence one another. And I think that's equally as important where this team is heading.
0: Yeah. And I think another key part, two things first, is what you said on giving people opportunities like Matt, now that Jones is injured, we've get, we have get another three to four weeks to evaluate A.J. Dillon. And is he worth bringing back on a smaller contract. Cause he's not going to warrant a big contract. Right. But is he worth us not having to, uh, I'll say waste. And I don't mean it that way, but waste a draft pick on a running back. Right. Uh, unless there's some guys in the second, third round that we love, maybe there is. Right. But if he can be a competent backup, because man, we had some serious issues with him to start the year, especially in Vegas, the game that you and I went to, he looked bad, bad in my opinion. Um, he's looked great pass pro catching the ball out of the backfield running between the tackles. I've seen a ton of improvement from him. And now that Jones is out, Wilson's probably going to be out. They're bringing up guys from the practice squad. It's, it's going to be the AJ Dylan show. Like he's, I'm expecting him to get anywhere from 15 to 20 touches, whether that's, um, on the ground or through catches. And I think this is a really good opportunity for him and us to give a real objective, Opinion on hey, should we keep this guy in town because he's a great culture fit, right? But we just haven't seen the results that we've wanted from AJ Dillon. But this is the time of the year it's Thanksgiving, it's December, it's getting cold. This is the time of the year where he's in the past started to shine. So I'm actually cautiously optimistic and I'm excited to see him get his opportunity. And then the second thing, Matt, is shout out to Gudikins because we may have a fucking guy in Jordan Reed in Jaden Reed, excuse me. He's jumping out on the TV copy and he's looking like a guy that is a difference maker every time he touches the ball. And then you hear the reports that he's the leader in the locker room uh, for the wide receiver group as a rookie. Um, He could be, he could put himself in the elite classification of receivers in the next couple of years here from what I'm seeing. And that's, Really, really exciting and not something I thought I'd be saying here uh, after the past few weeks.
1: Well, talk about narrative. You know, they don't take Reed or Reed doesn't fall, or however this may play out. They may they think they can give him in the third round and he gets taken by Pittsburgh because he was their number one slot wide receiver on the board. Like there's a lot that could have played out where Green Bay does not end up with him. We're talking about much, much greater defects on this team with Christian Watson's performance this season. And how does that then fall on Jordan Love if Jordan Love doesn't have a, a Jalen Reed. So I think I think absolutely there's something to notate with that. And then with the Kraft draft pick, where it's like up until maybe two weeks ago, we were saying, well, what was even the point in taking him? You know, you have Musgrave. Kraft hasn't been really involved that much, but boom, Musgrave goes down with the injury. Kraft comes out this week. Maybe Kraft has six to eight targets, hopefully. Hopefully, because I want mm-hmm. to see what he has. Has a really For nice sure. game. And now you're looking at next year. Damn, we have a double tight end set. What is Matt LaFleur needed his entire head coaching career, which is what, five seasons, a double tight end set. And now you're talking about a team that's really dangerous. So I, I'm so curious to look back in the coming years at Goots draft class this year, because as we've said many times, it will be really the first evaluation of him post Rodgers where he got to build the team he wants. And injuries have happened to fall the right way for these guys to get opportunities. You know, with the coaching decisions of benching Christian Watson or taking him out of the, the game plan as the target share guy last week worked like they are starting to do what we need them to do. And it's very encouraging. This will be probably a bad game on Thursday. If we're going to be really honest, we're probably going to lose yeah. by 17 a touchdown points. at least. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, without anybody playing. It's going to look ugly. It's going to be um, bad. Yeah. Hey, hell, we beat him. Narrative changes real quick for all these, you know, these bandwagon fans on Twitter and in Green Bay that want to talk shit because <laughs> we've been with them most of the year. And yeah, I think we were a little early with calling for for Matt to, you know, either figure it out or get out of town. But um, this is Jordan's team. You know, look at Rashawn Geary's comments. Like that's the first piece of of everything that I want to see because we didn't see that in New York with Zach Wilson. You know, no one was making these comments about Zach Wilson. And it's obvious because Zach Wilson's bad. And they've been saying nothing but praise for Jordan since the very beginning of the Jordan, of, Jordan Love uh, era. And there's reason for that. They see things we don't. And now we're starting to see what they had seen in practice.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it, it is encouraging. And the, <laughs> your, your point about gudikins is we are looking at real early Three to four hits, and a couple of them being late with Dontavian Wicks. Yep, and Valentine at cornerback is playing super good. The other kid that had to play last week played good. I think it's Valentine and
1: Valentine and isn't it? Valentine.
0: I think yeah. <laughs> um, that's not confusing lo- at all. Is like it? I said, Reed looks amazing. You got Musgrave who looks more than formidable the lacerated kidney is unfortunate that could have uh that could have long-term effects in my opinion that could be you know something that that sucks that's a scary that's a scary injury uh especially for a rookie and then we'll see with craft moving forward but right there that's four or five dudes that shit might work eric stokes is coming back and jair is coming back i think the one thing if i still had to be negative would be Joe Barry's defense. The stats are extremely, extremely misleading for the points per game. The San Diego LA Chargers single-handedly handed or dropped the game away (laughs) this past weekend. They beat themselves. The Packers did not beat the Chargers. They went out there and made the plays to win the game, but boy, is that team bad, and I don't want Barry to get credit for that because they only gave up Was it twenty points on the scoreboard? It should have been way worse than
1: that. Well, the good thing with that is we don't have a few. We have a few years before it matters, and at that time, I don't think Barry will be in town. You know, we're not a Super Bowl contender next year. Well, Um, we're almost. We're the next team out of the playoffs, Matt. Yeah, but we beat the Lions. (laughs) But sure, yeah, that's funny.
0: Um,
1: That's funny. But the reality is, people are saying that. (laughs) Yes, they are, and they're they're morons. Like this. This is the Lions last year weren't winning a Super Bowl. They just weren't just like the Packers even making the playoffs this year would be disappointing for the overall trajectory of where this franchise is going, uh, even with what I said, the building of momentum. But like this team isn't a competitive team uh, for a Super Bowl till probably 2025, 2026, if we're really being honest here. And Joe Barry, he he will be gone by then. And yeah, it's okay. Like that's fine. But the problem was we needed Barry gone three years ago. And the kid, it is what it is. you know. Like He's probably a better coach for this kind of team than he was for an Aaron Rodgers-led team. And we will always look back on what it would have looked like if they didn't hire Maddie and they hired a more veteran coach. How, how would things have been different? But what we can look at is what's happening now. And the guy is doing things with Valentine and Valentine. Um, I can't have too much hate on you when you beat teams with two guys like that on your outside. That's just... It's incredible what, what we've been able to do with the shell of the defense we thought we were having coming into this season.
0: That's it's a very mature response, and you're, you, you are actually right. You're actually right. Um, all right, well, that concludes the pod today, everyone. We appreciate you all. This was kind of a wild one, but it was fun. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at PitcherBetPod. Enjoy your Thanksgiving if you're in the States with your family or with your trees like Matt Morris, and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Damn you, Walmart.